This is a Rocco Public Radio, your favorite X-Men chat show, where we review every X-Men book that matters, and this is a Rocktoberfest, an episode every single day of the month uh, for the month of October. Today's review, Immortal X-Men number 16, written by Kieran Gillen and drawn by Lucas Fortnick. Opens with Shaw and Celine surveilling Kakoa and seeing the carnage at the external gate from when Charles killed the strike team last issue. Horrified, Shaw reveals his Hellfire armor. It's an incredibly gaudy Iron Man suit, which he plans to personally take out Chuck with. Uh, we meet Apocalypse from last issue, who immediately admits he isn't really Apocalypse. Exodus, Hope, and crew are in the desert saving mutants with the help of Mother Righteous, and they manage to bring back together the five. Mother Righteous does a creepy dance, allegedly bringing people back from the waiting room since they don't have Cerebro, and Destiny really doesn't want people to trust her. Shaw and Celine assault Chuck, who reaches out to Emma Frost for information much to her displeasure. Once he realizes Shaw's price, he offers a truce. He will give Shaw passwords for a dozen Hellfire accounts if he leaves. He accepts the deal and turns on Celine with a half-ass excuse, and before he leaves, tells Charles he is surprised he could so easily murder, which confused Charles. In the desert, Hope and Exodus find Jean, but she seems delirious and is quoting an infernal dialogue from the second issue of her mini. Apocalypse claims to be Exodus, Exodus is Satan. Ugh. Apocalypse claims to be Exodus is Satan, which clues Hope in on what's going on, and she probes Jean's mind. She asks, what is the white hot room? And Chuck, confused by Shaw's words, wanders into Mr. Sinister's hidden lab to look in the mirror where he there is a graffiti diamond perfectly placed on his forehead and a plea not to kill himself. Okay, first off, thank you. Yeah. If you're wondering why Keegan read that, it's because I have like no voice right now. <laughs> you should read them all. Beautiful. Before we talk about this amazing issue, I want to circle back to my mini rant I gave when we read Wolverine because I couldn't really talk about it, even though it, it, so it came out after this, but because we did a double header, we talked about it early and I couldn't talk about just how frustrating it was that they had Psycat in that auction because we see Psycat here still living peacefully on the island, having a joyful old time. So mm -hmm. big fuck you to Benjamin Percy. Yeah. Just another, <laughs> another case of him never refusing to play with the rest of the yep. team. But this issue, amazing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely phenomenal. Front to back. I was really enjoying just the Shaw and Celine of all of it in the beginning. Ugh. Oh, I wasn't even... Yeah, I had forgotten the beginning because they got so good once <laughs> later on. But yes, yeah. yes, their, their dialogue when they first realized the carnage at the external gate is great. They have amazing chemistry. But then... Shaw's willingness to immediately flip on Celine, and that he doesn't he doesn't try to convince her all just oh no it's just what you said would happen watch out here comes some rockets <laughs> like so good straight up like oh no I can't stop it whatever will we do <laughs> and it's just like of course Shaw did like yeah. of course. It, it makes me want to see, now that he's done more serious roles, I want to see Steve Carell 
play Ooh. Shaw, and like I feel like he would deliver this scene like perfectly. It was just that was so much fun. I feel like there's a lot of heady stuff that we have to like attempt to decipher or attempt to lay out the possibilities of because there's multiple things here that we aren't told a hundred percent. So one, using the exact quote from the Jean Grey miniseries, like her like I thought box and mm-hmm. having her actually say it here was such a great way to reveal that something was up that we were like inside her head or whatever whatever's going on i love that uh i love that it justifies another unjustifiable like like those minis that we always say are completely pointless well suddenly that one really really freaking matters which is cool yeah um i like the use of the white hot room in whatever capacity it's being used do you are they all like is the desert the white hot room are they all there is mother righteous somehow wrapped up in it that's that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if it is the white hot room, um, you know, or to what extent it is. It's a uh, kind of illusion of some type from Mother Righteous or something, because a lot of that just it feels so engineered for her to get more. Yeah, well the the way each one is facing. Uh, so there's all the stuff. The one we've seen the most is that Exodus is literally going through his religious trials, essentially, and that's mm-hmm. where the apocalypse is. His Satan things come from comes from. But even the the Bishop and the Wolverines was Hope's like trial or her like it's it's the the manifesting their like worst fear or the biggest trial they want to they they feel like they have to face or whatever. And I guess where. I feel like it could go either way. Is is the the white hot room somehow manifesting all of that, or is Mother Righteous manifesting it? Because I could see Jean being put through the white hot room being her trial, and like she got swept up in the Mother Righteousness of it. I don't know. I also don't know that I buy she really has access to the waiting room. I I feel like she's doing some other voodoo shit there too. Yeah, you know, that's a fair point, but I think that she might actually have access to the waiting room. Uh, yeah. Well, just because the waiting room's genesis was Wanda. Sure. So it is magically tied. And we saw her rewriting the Darkhold. Mm-hmm. I and, forgot about that. And she's one of the most magical beings that exists. So I think that her access to the waiting room is actually more plausible than non-plausible. I, I can't believe I forgot about that. We had that, we had that like, it, it was played for humor, but where her and Dr. Stasis like sat down and were like, well, what did you do with your life? And we got the like, the textless flashback panels. And one of them was her, one was her hanging out with Wanda's kids when they were little, like reading them bedtime stories. But then another was her literally either writing or rewriting or like somehow modifying the Darkhold. So, mm-hmm. okay, okay. So 
she probably actually is. She may have created the waiting room. Like she could have wrote it into the book for all we know. Yeah, I mean, she she really could have just created it and then pointed it out to Wanda or whatever all the way yeah. back then. You know, who knows? Especially with time shenanigans. Wow. Like, I am so upset I didn't even consider that aspect <laughs> of it. That is so cool. Yeah, I, I genuinely think she's doing some sort of machinations. I think when we get to the end of the year, this this one has potential to be in that like, best issue of the year conversation. There's just so much here and it was all so fun. And... Mm-hmm. It, it moved so much of the plot forward. Now, am I happy on why the plot is moving so quickly now? Wink, wink. We'll talk about it later. But yeah, uh, no, I'm not happy about why the plot is suddenly moving so quickly. But this delivered on every promise. Every, every promise was so good. And just like every moment, I enjoyed every Like uh, Destiny's Diary, so much fun yeah. this time. Like Even when they're talking about like, oh, this is how we have all of our things that we need. And in the beginning, she's talking about the water and she calls it, uh, it seems to be Exodus's promised land. And then he is unbearable. (laughs) I don't know that it can be overstated how impressive it is that this run has made me care about Sebastian Shaw, Exodus, Destiny. And all of them have had great showings in this issue. Those are three characters that before Immortal X-Men number one came out, if you'd ask me about it, no, I don't give a shit. That, that's like a deal yeah. is. I don't give a shit. Why would I care? They they never did anything for me. <laughs> I was always yeah. kind of like, yeah, sure, they're there. And now through through Immortals run up till now, it's just wow, what a one eighty. Maybe maybe Destiny doesn't quite belong in that category. Like I, I feel like I was digging her in Inferno. Like, I feel like the end towards the end of Hickman's I started to care, but not the extent I care now. Now she's a yeah. she's a great character. I, I feel like in the larger scheme of things, she was still largely a she doesn't really do it for me type of character. Yeah. Definitely. I do have one negative. Ooh. And I don't like I don't know that it's really a negative on the issue. Hey, you know what? I have to say that it, 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 we'll talk scores later, but I do have to say like it is the gimmick of this is each one's narrated by a different council member, and it's whoever gets like the the headshot variant that I don't know. I, I need to put mine up again, but the, mm-hmm. that really cool series of variants, and this one was apocalypses, and I feel like that was a real cop out. He narrated I think four pages, and. It was like it wasn't really him, but I mean, yeah. even even fake apocalypse only narrated the like four pages, and I feel like it was literally just an excuse for like, oh, we can't have the Quiet Council without having an uh, apocalypse apocalypse yeah. represented, so we have to find a way to fit him in, and so in that way, like that aspect was a bit of a bummer, but also like he's Ewing's plaything right now, he's he's over in the Ewing side of the story, so it makes more sense for him to be over there. Yeah, it definitely it feels. Uh less like an oversight and more of just like a this is how it shook out yeah that kind of thing definitely um so you know although it's although it is a bummer because i would have loved to have had a uh apocalypse issue yeah i'll take it well and i i feel like at some point we probably got gillen really writing i feel like gillen would write a really good apocalypse but oh yeah my highlight is definitely the chuck and shaw conversation though oh that was so hilarious and unexpected which i it's completely in character so it's not unexpected in in that way but i don't know it was just it was such a tense scene 
and it seemed like it was heading for the climax, and so I just was not expecting it to literally just be okay. And just immediately accept the deal and I think what I liked about it so much is really it showing how much the two of these men understand how the other works. Yep. Like there's no there's no pretense, there's, there's no, no real game at play. There's no love, but there is complete understanding. Yeah. It's we know each other to a T. It, it's I don't even know if I'd call it a respect, but it is an acknowledgement. Yeah. <laughs> well, like even Chuck's like, and, and I'm sure you already realize, but if you betray me, I, they immediately remember giving up their passwords. <laughs> and <laughs> to the point where it's like, Shaw's like, yeah, that's how a deal works. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and I wrote in there about the uh, Hellfire armor literally just being a gaudy Iron Man suit. But if you go back and you look at it, it literally is. So he gives this grandstanding to Celine of like, do you want to see the armor I built with my own hands? But it's, it's clearly, clearly modified Tony. Iron Man armor. Yeah, it's clearly modified Tony armor. It's so good. And it literally, it's it's like he, it's a Baldur's Gate created character, essentially. <laughs> like It's just made to look like regal robes as an Iron Man armor. It's such, mm -hmm. It's so much fun. It is really fun. It's also, I think it's like a cool design too, like for shop. Oh, it is. Like, I like it. If they made like an action figure of it, it would probably be one of those like, oh, Hasbro Direct exclusives or whatever, but I would track it down. That would be a mm -hmm. sick one to have on the shelf, the Hellfire armor. Yeah. I do, I, I do have one fear as mm -hmm. we're heading into the last two issues of this run and then uh, kind of everybody's capstone mini. This felt like this was Galen handing Shaw back to Duggan's co the corner of the universe. Yeah. Like, putting him back in a literal armor called Hellfire and then giving him back access to Hellfire accounts. Like, he's going to go strike back at Kingpin and that's not going to happen in the Kieran Galen stuff. No, not at all. <sighs> and, you know... I think, unfortunately, everything good is going to come with a tinge of that from here on out. But I don't know if we want to talk about it here, if we want to save it for our end of the month super episode. But there is kind of a big shuffling happening where it feels like everybody's getting dibs on what they're doing for their end game. Because mm -hmm. we've got Resurrection of Magneto is where Al Ewing is getting to finish his run because he's confirmed to be leaving the middle of 2024. Uh, Fall of House of X is where Duggan is getting to finish his pieces of the X-Men universe because he's leaving middle of 2024. And Rise of Powers of X, Robox, is where Gillen is getting to all of his final pieces in because he's leaving the middle of 2024. Um, there is rumors, the as we're recording, the, the January solicitations are out and it was not included, but Uncanny Spider-Man started a month late, so there's there's rumors that it's still happening, um, that Cy Spurrier is getting his mini to tell the final piece of his corner. But it's very interesting watching as it does feel like a lot of these final pieces are then kind of shuffling their the characters so that each person gets who they want for their end game. Yeah, it, it does. It feels very much like a, hey, I need Shaw for this. Can you yeah. get Shaw over to me? Yeah, sure, I can do that, but you need to get blah, blah, blah over to, you know. I'll put it more diplomatically now, and we can talk about it more, how it really makes us feel later, but it is very bittersweet, but I'm glad that it seems like they're at least collaborating to that extent where they're 
they're going to get to tell us the ending they want to tell us at least. So we get yeah. that much. Yeah, I agree. It's it's nice that they're going to be able to kind of do what they need to do without too much politicking. Yeah, it seems. Hopefully, okay. So, immortal specific. Looking ahead a little, we only have two issues left of it, and then we're heading into Ropox, uh, which is where we lose Lucas Warneck because he moves over to the Gillen, no, the um, to the Duggan book, Fall of House. And we get R.B. Silva, who drew the original Powers of X on uh, Rise of Powers of X. But also, that one deals with Dominion heavily. So it makes sense that Sinister's back. But uh, I'll be honest, when I read this, I had no idea that's where he was headed. And I got so pumped. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you were excited. I was like, (laughs) oh, shit. I do not believe Chuck is still sinisterized. Mm-mm. I think Forge's thing did work, and I think Chuck is has other mental health issues going on because of his guilt. That is where I'm at, prediction-wise. Yeah. But I've had some predictions go right and some go very wrong. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, part of me even wonders, is this like, is this an inevitability that Sinister saw at some point? And so... You that know, like, be, he he's I, messed with so many timelines now. I think I think Chuck is just I think his his mind is split. He doesn't remember that he went down there and made that himself kind of thing. Ooh, That's where I okay. think we're at. I, okay. I, I think Chuck is hitting Chuck rock bottom is where we're headed. But yeah, probably. Um, but I I love seeing Sinister's loud. I it's just like the Mother Righteous stuff. I know people are burned on how much Gillen's story rolls. But remember, Immortal X-Men 1 was narrated by Sinister. They yeah. had that great storytelling device where they basically recapped all of Krakoa. They made it the perfect entry point. It was the best entry point since House and Powers of X. And mm-hmm. it was all done through Sinister's eyes. So this has always been a book about Sinister. So when people say, like, oh, can't they move on? No. He's no. heading into his conclusion. His entire epic has been about the Sinisters. Yeah. So I'm... I'm all here for for it. Uh, I I love that. I did l- love getting to see Psycat. I'm always happy to see him, even when he shows up illogically in a Percy book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I'm wondering how how they're gonna wrap everything they've got going into issues to get us to the point where they can jump into the mini. I am very excited to see it happen. I think you were absolutely right. I think that was Shaw's swan song. I do not think he's playing gonna get much more play. I think he's the first off the board. Uh, that probably is it for Emma too. I, yeah. I could see us not seeing Emma for a while because she's so tied up in the Hellfire stuff, also. Yeah, and I, in the I, Iron Man stuff. God. Well, yeah, I, I, that, yeah, <laughs> the, that that corner, the the Hellfire Iron Man, whatever's going on there. I hope since powers of X is like that 10 years in the future thing from the solicits, which I don't really know how much that's true. And I'm not going to read any more solicits on either of them as they come out. Like I read that initial synopsis at New York comic con and that's all the information I want. I want to go into stuff as blind as I can now, but I'm hoping Emma's in that because Gillen yeah. writes, Gillen writes an amazing Emma and I'm going to be really sad if he gave up that toy. I'm trying to think of who else could get shuffled off the book. Uh, but we've already had quite a few characters get pulled off. 
Like, I feel Ooh. like we had magic for a while as a war captain, and I, I doubt she's going to be back at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like we're going to need everybody else. You need Destiny. Like, he has to keep Destiny because Dominion. He's yeah. got He's got to keep uh, Hope because she's tied into it. Uh, she could end up over in the new Cable, Old Man Young Cable. But, but I feel like that's a tie-in. That's not a real – like, she, Hope's going to get a part in one of the, the real books. Yeah. Um, trying to think i don't think anybody anybody other than shaw and like celine's gonna go with shaw yeah absolutely i don't know who else from the council could could get punted storm is obviously in the ewing toy box absolutely uh, she she had her feet in both for a while but i feel like hellfire gala was the official like nope storm you're you're all in up there Magneto with the resurrection of Magneto is going to be a Ewing thing, but I bet he doesn't show up till either the last page of the penultimate issue or till the final issue. I don't know. I don't know why I'm rambling so long on this. We're no, already I, a pretty long episode. I'm, but I just, I'm just thinking, and I I, I I agree. I can't. I think for the most part, everyone else is kind of in the places where they're supposed to be. You you, you know which MacGuffin I had sort of forgotten about. Mm. Doug, like they're gonna have to pull the trigger on him coming back at some point. That and is I, true. I, mean, I, I I hope that's in Gillen, whether that's in the last issues of the Like it's not like Krakoa is gonna hold on to him for ten years, so it would have to be in the next two issues. They're gonna have to pull the trigger on Manifold at some point too. That one's interesting because that could be like that's gonna deal with Orcus, and we know Orcus is at least still somewhat in Fall of House of X. Like Very it actually, sa- it actually sounds like maybe they win and like that's Fall of X is the resistance after they've won, which I kind of feel like a Fall of X they won, like they won at the Hellfire Gala, but whatever. I, I mean, may- maybe there's some bigger delineation on like how bad shit gets, but yeah, because because it's not bad yet. But I could see Manifold, Manifold could go either way. When the Finris twins got pulled out of the hole um not the hole <laughs> what's what's the, what's the pit the pit when the finners twins got pulled out of the pit yeah sinister was already gone right so i mean in that way it could be sinister leaving the notes we don't know where sinister is he's out somewhere right yeah, or do I we know where he is I we haven't think... seen him we haven't seen him like in Stasis's custody or anything, so we don't know where he is, right? True. I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we have no idea where he is right now. So that's that is an interesting thought, that which is good because man, I'd hate to be trapped with those two. <laughs> oh my god! Right. All right. Uh, we just spent like ha- <laughs> what are normally a ten minute episode. We spent fifteen minutes future speculating. Sorry. Whoops. Do you have any other thoughts on this one? I I think we covered everything I had in mind. I just okay. think it was a really good issue. How about yeah, this, yourself? <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, final score, I'm giving it a perfect five. I just yeah. I, This was a book of the year contender. I love this issue. It brought together pieces. It introduced pieces I hadn't really thought about. I really want to know what the F is going on with the White Hot Room and Gene and Mother Righteous. Yeah. Like, it's such a muddy, like... Like we know, there's multiple mind f's going on, but we don't know which mind f is like the primary one and which one's the. 
yeah it's it's just such a jumble of like yeah. these interconnected weird ideas and i just really want to see what kind of comes out on top it's absolutely a perfect five book for yeah. me as well uh it's just it kept it it gave enough crumbs for like each mystery that it touched on to like kind of give me new speculation on things it had really cool moments it had fun it was just it was it was perfect it's gonna be a while before we get to find out what the f is going on there uh and i can't wait for that you know what i could wait for ah tomorrow's book see you there (laughs) <laughs> this has been a Rocco Public Radio. Rod can be found at Irrepressible Comics or That Nerdy Papa Bear, and Keegan can be found everywhere online as Bulk Ranger.